We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 25. Uh, we are coming to you live, going to be recapping the Tennessee game on Saturday. The Gamecocks come away with a 15-9 win uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, in Neyland Stadium. But first, if you want to follow the show, as always, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Go there, rate and subscribe. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like about the show. We appreciate all the feedback always. Uh, also, be sure to go follow us on our Twitter, at Armchair Car. That's going to be at Armchair S-C-A-R for all of our tweets, all the action, uh, live tweeting stuff we do there. Uh, also, check us out on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. Uh, and this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans, armchairamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to armchairamericans.com. Uh, check out the show as well as our South Carolina Gamecocks breaking news coverage there, as well as all of our other coverage with Armchair Americans as well. Um, so jumping right into it, I'm, as always, I'm your host, Chris Phillips. I'm joined today by my colleague, as always, Tyler Clark. And Tyler, um, it was a crazy one Saturday. It was it was full of twists and turns, and I thought I was going to throw up at the end, but the Gamecocks find a way to get it done. Uh, a noon kickoff in Neyland Stadium would look, look like a really uh, gorgeous day for football. The Gamecocks get it done 15-9. and nine. You were in the stadium, so I'm going to let you go first because I'm really curious to hear some of your, you know, your takes from Knoxville and everything. Talk about the weekend. Um, talk about, you know, being in the stadium and the Gamecocks getting the W. It was a lot of fun. You know, the, the first thing I got to experience, we went to uh, Bojangles on the way there in the morning. And so, obviously, I'm decked out in my Carolina stuff. And the lady at the register, she's like, you know, I'm really pulling for you guys today. I'm a diehard Tennessee fan, but uh, Butch Jones has got to go. And I just thought it was weird. Like, I don't I don't know the, the, the total attendance uh, in Neyland Saturday. But it was it wasn't even close to being full, but it was probably still like ninety thousand people. It was awesome. There was a lot of Gamecocks there. Um, you could definitely hear hear our sections. Uh, there was one, you know, on the other side of the field, upper deck. We had a section, and then obviously the one with the band. Uh, There's a lot of a lot of Carolina fans. It was awesome, uh, but you could definitely tell that uh, it wasn't normal Neyland. Right, just with the Butch Jones. I, I thought it was so funny. They showed on TV, and I saw it on Twitter that morning. The uh, the Keep Butch Jones shirts <laughs> were just hysterical. It was so funny. Um, that was so awesome. But, yeah, I had a buddy up there. I, you were obviously up there. I had another buddy of mine up there as well that, 
you know, said Neelam was a blast. He's he's kind of neutral. He's neutral. He's not a South Carolina, Tennessee, whatever. Um, he said it was awesome, you know, as far as the atmosphere. He had never been in a stadium like that. But, yeah, kind of figured it wouldn't be the 100,000, you know, going crazy just with all the, you know, the agony they're going through with Butch Jones and, you know, another loss for Tennessee. But, yeah, I definitely the, uh, you know, let me ask you this. What was kind of your I, – I was following you on Twitter, obviously, and um, I know that you were uh, – we're shaking as the, the last drive was going on. Talk about like the last drive in the stadium, how you felt. Man. So, you know, the defense played so well the entire game. You know, you feel like there's no way that Garantano has anything left in the tank. You know, he's going to throw a pick. It's going to be over. And then you see the ball in the air on that, on that uh, long pass play. You're like, oh, my God, this is about to happen. And you get down there, and it's just play after play after play. They get to the two. You know, they run like three plays from inside the five. You know, I don't – I was going to ask you at the beginning, you know, have you ever like – has a game ever been that intense, you know, down to the last second? I've never been that nervous in my uh, in my life at a football game, I don't think. Yeah, dude, I was going to say I was watching the game. Obviously, I wasn't in Knoxville. I was watching the game, though, and I was with a friend of mine that's not a South Carolina fan, watched it at his place. And, I mean, I, it was literally one of those – I've never watched a game and been so nervous. Normally, I'm – I'm a pretty optimistic fan and, you know, you know, always believe like the best is going to happen, but I was just sitting there face in my hands. I, I didn't even, I wanted to cut the TV off <laughs> and just get the update on my phone. That was, I was so, I was so nervous. I, I mean, honestly, I was the same as you. Tennessee got the ball um, before that last drive. And I was like, you know, it's probably going to be like, like kind of one of those South Carolina last drives. You just kind of heave it up, right? You're going to throw a pick, pass or get tipped, whatever. And the D-line, it plays so good all day. It's like, there's just no chance. But, yeah, they hit that long pass, and they get down like the 30, and I'm, I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, honestly, they get down to the two. I, it was weird. It was like I didn't – I believe that we, we could hold them out, but at the same time I was like, how are they not going to score from the two-yard line? See, my I was like, this is going to be one of these busted plays where <laughs> we've got everything covered perfectly, and Garantano is going to find a hole and just run in untouched. Or, you know what really scared me? They didn't have any timeouts, but I kept thinking the whole time, I was like, if they give this ball to John Kelly, I don't know that we can stop him from getting two yards. See, that's exactly that, what I was thinking the entire time. Like, why don't you just run the ball? Your quarterback's fast. With three seconds left, with three seconds left, I honestly, I thought for sure the last play was like, they're just going to run it because there's just, they have nothing to lose here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. This is the last play, no matter what. I would, why not just give it to your horse? There's I mean, no honestly, way it would have been stopped. I'm, there's no way. Well, yeah, I mean, luckily for South Carolina, it was uh, Chris Lamont's with the pass deflection. South Carolina escapes kneeling 15-9, a place where they obviously had a ton of problems, only the third, you know, all-time win there. So I think South Carolina will take a win in Knoxville any way they can get it, no matter what type of Tennessee team it's against. Um, We'll get back to the defense, but just talking a little bit about the offense, Tyler. Man, another thing about that game, you know, with the offense, it was an – agonizing game to watch. I mean, it was literally – I was sitting in the third quarter, and, I, I mean, I was sitting there. I was like, I think I could fall asleep right now. I mean, this is just, like, so brutally <laughs> bad on offense. South Carolina gets off to another slow start. You know, it's it's just like weekly clockwork that Kurt Roper is getting his job called for on Twitter um, by, you know, not even just fans, but certain people in the South Carolina media and, media and everything. Um, really about as bad as a first half you could have. Rico Dowdo goes out with an injury out for the year, which the craziest thing that these 
three guys have the same injury that has put them out for the year. I don't just, understand how that works. I don't know how that's possible. How easy is but it to break that bone? I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, another South Carolina running back gets hurt gets hurt against the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, but South Carolina really stepped it up. You know, the offensive line came to play in the second half. There was a little bit of a wrinkle in the running game in the second half, which showed by the stats. I'll pull them up here. South Carolina uh, ran for as a team. They ran for 194 yards. That's the uh, total rushing yards. I'm not sure what it is with the sacks. Um, but anyways, a really good day. Like A.J. Turner had 14 carries for 86 yards. Um you know, Tyson Williams, another solid day, 11 for 47. He averaged 4.3 a carry. Uh, I'll tell you actually. So, yeah, 194 rushing. So, I don't think uh, I don't think Jake Bentley got sacked at all. Or he might have got sacked once. But either way, South Carolina averaging 4.8 yards a rush, um, controlling the time of possession, 32 minutes to 27 minutes. Um, it came in the second half. I mean, still you only had 323 total yards, but you held Tennessee – I think it was they held them to negative seven yards of offense at the last drive in the second half. I mean, it was crazy. You don't get when you go to a game. You don't get to see those kinds of stats. And that that's pretty insane. I haven't, I didn't hear about that. That's why. Yeah, I think it was like into the fourth quarter, it was like negative seven yards they'd held Tennessee to. And then the final drive happened, obviously, and they went like 80 yards down the field. So they right. finished the, fourth, the second half with like 73 yards. That is something is ridiculous, though. I mean, South Carolina's defense – you know, played outstanding. But, yeah, the offense, I mean, turned it around, obviously. Um, what was your take? We'll talk about the running game, Tyler. What was your take on the running game? Obviously, Dowdle out, but I just thought they were so much more creative in the second half. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Turner looked really, really good, you know, through every part of the game. You know, they, they blocked well. You know, on A.J. Turner's, uh, on that little sweep touchdown, the block from Tyson Williams was, you know, why he scored the touchdown. Um, you know, offensive that burst of speed was solid right. too. He hit the turbo button. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the offensive line, you know, there's still just young guys, you know, they had to fill in. You're missing three guys. You go into an environment like that. You know, I thought they played extremely well. Um, you know, I didn't know we had that many rushing yards until after the game. And I, I, it had to be a game plan because, you know, ben, Bentley didn't have any throw probably over 10 yards after – that first play of the game where that Which you know, pass, been a pass interference, that was awful. That was <laughs> one of the worst terrible. calls I've ever seen. It, it's terrible. so blatant when you watch it. They tried to say it was uncatchable, and they show the oh. replay, and I'm like, the ball landed right over his head. Like, what do it's you mean? It's a hold either way. He's yeah. grabbing his jersey. so He stretched yeah. his jersey to double XL. Yeah. And then apparently there was a face mask on the next play. You know, just stuff like that. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that they tried to do anything special. Uh, on offense, uh, it had to be a game plan thing. Um, you know, for, for the offensive line to play as well as they did, I thought, you know, on Tennessee's defense, the one thing that doesn't suck, at least, is their, is their defensive line. You know, they've been decent. Uh, you know, this season and especially last year, they were good. Um, you know, I thought it wasn't terrible. It, it wasn't as bad as what we saw against Kentucky, for example, or Louisiana Tech. Um, but they definitely executed the plays a lot better. Yeah, that was kind of the question. You bring that up. I'm glad you did. That was something, you know, I was just thinking about wanting to ask you. Do you think, you know, because this O-line obviously is without, at least for Tennessee, hopefully they'll be back for the Vanderbilt game after the bye week. Zach Bailey, Corey Helms, Malik Young. I don't think any of those guys played Saturday, none of them. I know Zach Bailey dressed. I don't think he played at all. 
Do you think we're underrating the performance of this offensive line without those three guys? Because, I mean, those are three, you know, those are three pretty big pieces. And, I mean, 194 rushing yards without those three guys against any, really any SEC competition, honestly, is more than I would have ever imagined. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they played as well as they did Saturday against, you know, the other two teams that they had well, when, when the guys were down. Uh, I think that, you know, I, something must have clicked in this last week or so because I thought what we saw from the offensive line this game was completely different than what we saw the other two weeks. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I, I, I was just – I thought South Carolina really just imposed their will in the second half. I mean, just straight up out physical Tennessee, pushed them around, shoved them around. And I feel like we say – you know, they say it every week and we say it every week, but Jeff Dillman, the job he's done with the strength staff, South Carolina just looks – they get in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they just look – I mean, really. Um, another guy who had a really good game, maybe not the numbers to reflect it so much, but Brian Edwards is just playing like a man on fire right now. He had the uh, the nasty shoot move on the Tennessee defensive back. Yes, where he that was it, crazy. Not on the dime. The guy goes right past him. He gets the first down. And then you see him get fired up on the sideline and everything. I mean, he he's playing like a dude possessed. And then Ortre Smith, you know, another guy that he just continues to get better every week. I mean, the stats for Brian, six for 63. And then Ortray three catches for forty yards. I mean, those two, those two dudes were without a doubt, you know, the top two receivers on this team. Not even a question. I, I just wonder how good this receiving core would be with Debo Samuel, but <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I just I was very very impressed with Ortray and Brian Edwards. I mean, Ortray, you, you, I know you texted me last week. You're saying I, I was standing next to Ortray Smith. I think he's bigger than Donald Stanley or. Something like that. It was Dennis Big, Daly. Dennis Daly, yeah. I have a class in my building on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, Dennis Daly looks like he can play tight end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I know Orstrick Smith, he's like 6'4", 220. He, he's a big dude. He's so, huge. Yeah, so, I mean, he, I, he's he's going to have a long career, not just in South Carolina, but probably after if things work out. Um, but, yeah, I tell you, the guy that – you know, missing from this this list, this highlight is Hayden Hurst. I mean, I know you said that obviously in the game plan, I think it was definitely to run it a little bit more. And, you know, I definitely tend to agree with you to some extent. But Hayden Hurst, I think he had, what, one or two targets, didn't have a catch. He had one carry for four yards. I mean, where's Hayden Hurst? Where, where is Hayden Hurst? Well, I mean, we weren't asking that last week. Uh, they had that, what, 61-yard <laughs> touchdown? Yeah. It's just week to week. I think things are so different, and there's so many guys to go around. But um, no one really had a majority except for Brian Edwards. Uh, and Edwards dropped that ball on third down in the first, I guess, yeah. in the first quarter, and that really kind of just—it seemed like it deflated the whole offense for like three drives. Yeah, it's it's funny how South Carolina's offense is—they're very streaky. If they yeah, get going, they get every... hot. They get going and get hot. I mean, they can put up points in bunches, but. One thing happens to them, and it's just like, man, like, here we go again. Here's the, you know, whatever. But, you know, I'll tell you the other thing, too, on offense. I was really – I was so, so happy to see Jake Bentley finally keeping the ball on a read option. Yes. Like, that play, that's a great play if Jake – because, I mean, Jake Bentley had to either somebody upstairs or Jake Bentley himself had to be like, yo, there is nobody covering that lane. Like, there is no one over there. And you see what happens as a result on that drive. Right, they have I think to respect it three times, and you score a touchdown because of it. Right. It accounts for a guy on the defense, and it's something so important. Right. And you don't have to 
you don't have to run for like 10 or 15 yards, even like a three or four or five yard run. Just, just make have to have defense, it there. Just to make the defense know, I will pull it if you give it to me. I mean, Jake Bentley's rushing stats, six carries for 24 yards, long of nine. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he – yeah, but if he has, at least has a threat. I will say this, though. I've been – I have been more than pleased and pleasantly surprised with Jake Bentley's running ability. Like, I had no idea it's kind of he shifty. was this – he's shifty. He's very shifty. I'll give him that. I'm not going to say he's a burner by any stretch of the imagination, but dude's shifty. So. He was tough, though. He, get, he gets hit on those. Yeah, yeah. I, there's some of them. I'm like, I get down. You know, just just, just get down. He, he's too valuable. You know, he's, right. you know, what I'm saying to be putting in those positions like a, too often. But yeah, if it's there, man. I mean, because that, like, that's what we're talking about. Like the predictability of the offense. Well, if you're keeping that, like, that's a really good play. It's not a good play if you're just going to hand it off every time, though. So ho- I'm hoping to see more of that. Honestly, I, I would love to see them incorporate more. I, like I said, I know he's not a, a Connor Shaw or anything, but make the defense respect is respect the ability like, to pull it's that the same ball out. Theory is a, a play action, and we've seen more of the play action, you know, lately these last couple games because the running game's been there. I mean, you you run for something, they have to account for it. It's the same same theory. Yeah, the thing I love too is I I, I think we should use the speed sweep even more because it seems like to me that play action speed sweep is probably the best play action pass we have in the playbook. I I you know I, I don't know. I feel like we've had a ton of success. On that play action, and I think the speed sweeps probably been the best running play since Will Muschamp became head coach. Absolutely, um, they went away yeah. from it for a good month. Yeah, exactly. And AJ Turner, he's more than capable, obviously, of handling that because man, like you said, that run he had was extremely impressive. He's going to have um, a huge role in this offense now that Rico's out. And yeah, it's oh yeah, have he's got to be a lot out of the backfield. He's going to have to block a lot. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, so shifting over to the defensive side. I mean, we sound like a broken record from last week, but DJ Wanham just does it again. SEC defensive lineman player of the week, you know, whatever you want to call it, second week in a row. Um, he has a huge game. I'll, I'll pull up the uh, the defensive st- – I actually got the, I got the defensive stats right here. DJ Wanham, six total tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, just a huge game. He had he had two of the seven that South Carolina had on defense. Um he just continues, even when he's not making tackles or getting sacked. He's he's a force in the in, you know back there, get, making life hell for quarterbacks, and especially a guy like Garantano. I mean, he, he just he was on it. He was in his face all day. So I mean, uh, well deserved. DJ won him. I, you know, I think it's safe to say, Tyler. I think he might be the best pass rusher since a guy that wore number seven in Garnet and Black. Um, you know, he might have that potential. I mean, I saw something on Twitter. You know, you obviously don't want to overreact, but I saw something on Twitter that was comparing. Uh, Jadavion Clowney and DJ Wanham's sophomore stats, and they're like exactly the same. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they're they like, DJ Wanham, is he like the next, you know, thing? But, you know, not bad for a guy that South Carolina flipped from uh, Indiana to come to South Carolina. Not, not, not a, not a bad, not bad performance thus far to his career. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. But uh, what, I'll ask you, what was it like being in the stadium? I mean, what did it look like, you know, on the field, South Carolina's defensive line? Because obviously, I mean, on TV, it, it was just dominating. Yeah, it's so fast. You know, D, DJ, uh, a guy that I, you know, continue to say every week is Dante Sawyer. Sawyer just looks so quick and so physical off the edge. You know, that last drive, he almost he almost got that fumble. And, you know, those, that last drive would have never happened. I don't know how he didn't. You know, he's getting blocked, and he just reaches out his hand and, and swipes it out. You know, he's just he just tries to get the ball in every single play, and we haven't seen that you know from his first 
couple years here. Yeah, that's and it's that's what we kind of talked about on one of our previous shows. I'm not sure if it was right before the season or during the you know earlier first games, but just the mantra that Kurt, uh, excuse me, Will Muschamp has brought, you know, and Tavares Robinson, you know, get the ball, get the ball. They want to get the ball every play. I mean, it's just a heads up play, and you know, they want to get the ball every single play, get the ball out, get a one and out. So that play was crazy, though. I mean, I, I thought Dante fell right on it. I, I mean that. It was a crazy officiated game to begin with, so we, we could we could just break down every little bit of officiating. But yeah, either way, yeah, I agree with you. Dante looked looked awesome. Yeah, another guy that Rashad Fenton continues to be Mister Dependable. <laughs> Fenton Island, Fenton Island, baby. And and uh, you know he uh, definitely had his fun. You know the, the Tennessee wide receiver talking trash all last week, and got South Carolina so players cool. rather than having a field day with it after the game, tweeting him, hey, did you even play today? <laughs> I don't think he did. did. Uh, I really... Rashad Fenton in his post game, they asked him about it. He's like, you know, I mean, you can talk during the week when it comes to game day. It's about, you know, showing up. And, you know, I'm not even sure he played. So, yeah. Rashad Fenton by far got the last laugh. I love I mean, the it was... pass interference, too. He, he didn't care at all. He's like, you know, no, he I has a chance to go it. catch it, screw it. He's going to get one yard off. Of it. <sighs> yep. So, yeah, Rashad Fenton just continues to – He's making a name for himself, man. What is he a he's a junior too. He might he could be potentially gone after this year. He's only a junior? I thought he was a senior. Yeah, he's a junior. Oh, he's wow. he's draft eligible. He's only a junior. So um you know, the, the one guy that we have to talk about that I gotta bring it up, man. Jemias Williams just getting <laughs> getting slammed to the ground on the stiff arm by John Kelly. I didn't even see Sports. this. I didn't see a video. Oh, of you didn't it. see like the video. I didn't see a video. Oh, God. Is it bad? It, Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was Leonard Fernandez. Oh no, bad. It oh, was uh, yeah. Just look uh, it up. But Jam Williams getting his uh, getting getting his uh, his his reps in SEC football for sure in his first year as a freshman. I mean, overall, from what I saw, I mean, obviously, I don't think there were a ton of targets at him, but he played. You know, I thought he played a pretty solid game. But that that has been oh, all over Sports Center and SEC Network and Twitter. I and, just saw it. I gotta watch yeah, this. Yeah, I'll tell you this: the funniest thing though was <laughs> I follow a couple of the guys. I'm friends with a couple of guys on Snapchat, and I don't know if it was Dante Sawyer or Bryson Allen Williams, but they were clowning him. They were in the training room and they were taking a snap video, and they were like, "Hey, ESPN, ESPN." It's pretty bad. One more. It's time. like it's like you have to be able to laugh at that. Like it's how bad it is. John Kelly is an absolute beast. And it's not like it's just some no name. He's a freak. So, but you know what? <laughs> That's awesome. It's all good. You got to you got to take your licks. It's whatever. It, you can you can laugh after you win. That's that's the, oh, the good well, course. But yeah, South Carolina's defense. I mean, it's funny, man. They just continue to keep South Carolina in football games. And you know, Will Muschamp, the job he's done, the limited pieces he's he's had on defense. I mean, we keep talking about it every week, but I mean, it just stands true that. You know, th- th- this defense isn't very, you know, depth-wise, is not very loaded, but they just continue to make plays. And, again, Danny Fennell gets another sack. They have guys that, you know, they're getting the most out of their talent, which is so encouraging to see. And, you know, I think definitely the second half, the, the establishment of the running game and probably, you know, winning the time of possession battle did wonders for that defense. Because, like you said, they were fast in that second half. They were getting after Garantano all day long. But that second half, I mean, like I said, negative seven yards of the offense for Tennessee into the last drive. Just 
you know, absolutely outstanding. I mean, it's 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 amazing, you know, what Will Muschamp has done in just what a year and a half here. Yeah, that was my biggest concern. You know, after the first quarter, I think what well, we're it's six nothing. I look at my buddy, I'm like, y'all just had the ball for ten minutes the first quarter. This is gonna be a long day. And, you know, they kind of just flip the script, and then we get into the fourth quarter. I get, or maybe the end of the third quarter, going into the fourth. You know, we have two like what seemed like eight minute drives. You know, you get third down, get the first down, and you just keep going, going, going. They completely dominated the line of scrimmage. Both of those drives, I feel like those are the two best drives we've seen all season. You know, one was a ninety five yard. That was yes, that was the touchdown drive, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So you like that? That's how you win football games. You completely flip the script of momentum. You know, you know, just seeing those drives. You know. Third, third and five, easy. You just flick over the middle and let's keep running it. And then, you know, the second drive, you, you had to run it on third and six there. Even if you don't get it, you have to just run it and try to kick a field goal yeah. and get off the field. So I was okay with that. I saw a lot of people on Twitter when I got, you know, out of the game. I saw them complaining. It's like, that's just – you can't throw the ball there. It's, it's just absolutely not. Yeah, before you, – you remind me, speaking of field goals – Parker White, man. <laughs> Parker White, man. Have a day. Three Legendary. for three on field goals. He makes a 47-yarder. 47. 47. I don't think anyone expected him. I don't think anyone expected I, him to make that. Like, I, and, like you were saying before, he might have been in the show. You had your hand, your head in your hands. Everyone, yeah. all the Tennessee fans around me are just looking at me like, what is he complaining about? Because I'm just sitting there just yelling, like, why are we kicking this field goal? He's going to miss this by 20 yards. But he made that one, and I felt a lot better about the other two. Yeah, I mean, the the other ones were, I think, like, you know, within 34 or 30 yards. But they literally show the stat. He lines up. He, they were like, this Parker White hasn't made a kick outside of 34 yards this season. He's four for 10. And you're just <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, we, why are we doing this? And he splits it right down the middle. Dude, he's 500. Right he's down 500 the middle. Shooter. Right down the middle. It's insane. I mean, he's obviously got a boot because that 47-yarder was, I mean, well through. But we just glad to see him get all he the, the boot, man. And we yeah. obviously saw on the extra point, it's not all his fault. Yeah, good God. So, even, on the, right. even on the 47-yarder, I didn't think it was a great snap. Honestly, the second he snapped, I was like, he missed it. I just like, he, he's going to miss this. Like, Because like, I almost feel like we're to the point where like, it's not a perfect snap. I kind of expect him to miss it, and it was just like a little high or something. I was like, "Oh, we're, oh I remember no. now it was the hold." No, you know, he, yeah, the hold. Yeah, up, it was like barely oh. got the hold down. I was like, "Oh god!" Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, "Oh god!" But yeah, nails it, and then God, the extra point. Oh my god! That let me ask you this because you know I've talked to a lot of people, and actually, it was you that said this when you miss an extra point. It's like that's going to come back to bite us, and it did. So, you know, well, yeah, it, it, could have, it almost did. Yeah, it always comes back some some way. Just like Florida, they lost to LSU because they missed an extra point. Oh man, yeah, I mean it's crazy, but thankfully it didn't. South Carolina again, they get the W, fifteen to nine, and I, I mean I feel like that was the if you're gonna win in Knoxville, that that it almost seems fitting in a sense. But let me ask you this, Tyler, because. You know, we've always been complaining about offense and the lack of creativity and play calling and this and that, you know, 
But let me ask you this. You know, Will Muschamp has been a head coach now. He was at Florida for, what, four years. He's been a head coach here a year and a half. Do you think that South Carolina fans – do South Carolina fans need to get used to winning games ugly? Yeah, of course. It has, it, even when South Carolina was winning 11 games a year, most of them weren't that pretty. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm only 22, so I'm used to ugly wins in my life. So, you know, it, it's never going to be pretty. It's never going to be an Arkansas game where you score three touchdowns and you just smoke them. It's, it's never going to be like that. It's always – I just really I just really want to score 50 once. Like, I just I, never expect – Like, on one hand – No, on one hand, I'm like, I feel like Will Muschamp wants to as well, but I think – I don't know. Like, he's a defensive coach. Like, I think he – like on a weird level, I think he kind of likes games like that, like where it's on the defense. He he like wants it to be on the defense. Like I could be completely I would wrong be on, on that, but well, right now especially, yeah. yeah but it's sure. like always been that way. Am I wrong? Yeah, and that's true. Like you said, even when South Carolina won eleven games, it was because they had. I mean, honestly, they were holding people to like thirteen points, and it's like right. they, they were at least good enough to score thirteen. Was yeah, that was ugly. Scoring. That was a fourteen to three, and that was that probably was our best ugly. offense that, that's ever been here. Yeah, that was ugly. So I think yeah, you um, have to get used to winning ugly and get to like it. Hey, winning is the key word in that, though. And yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, look, I'll, I'll ask you though. You know, we obviously we've been dogging Kurt Roper, and I mean, I think rightfully so. I think a lot of people have, but how do you evaluate? You know, the play calling overall, kind of what you saw from the scheme. Obviously, you know, from what you. You saw on everything. I think we can, like I said, both kind of agree that, you know, I think there was a game plan there to run the football, establish the run, you know, move Tennessee off the ball and, you know, eat up clock. How, how would you grade the overall game plan? And I'll, I'll give you another kicker. The adjustments made from the first half to the second half by Roper and the offensive staff. Oh, it was night and day between first. You know, actually, I, I don't know if it's night and day. I think that the, the plays were just executed in the second half. And I can't hate on a game plan that results in a win. So, I mean, even if the game plan was bad, to our eyes, it, it still worked. I mean, they ran for 180-something yards, he said. So, 194. It, yeah. It's only it's only stupid if it doesn't work. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, I just – the only thing that frustrated me, man, is that it just – I don't know why it took so long to – you know, get into that that rhythm, that groove. But I think it's because you know, of the lack of a, of a throwing game. Yeah, you know, we couldn't get anything going in the air, so it just took a lot. It took a while. We we've been so harsh on Roper, and I mean, oh, we've been like I he's on the staff. Like I, I don't want to dislike Kurt Roper. I really don't. You know what I mean? And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that hey, three zero lineman out. I mean. That's why I was asking you earlier, do you think that what the O-line is doing is underrated with the pieces they have out? Because I, I kind of think it is. I mean, I think we've been – because I think any team in college football, if Georgia lost three O-linemen right now, they would probably be in some hurt. Like any team that loses three starting offensive linemen, it, it, they're going to drop off. And I'm, so, I mean, the fact that South Carolina ran for almost 200 yards when – I have to imagine the second half, Tennessee sort of knew we were about to run and we just ran it anyways – Yep. That was probably the most impressive part. So, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, God, it's just – to me, to me, the way I look at it, it's like if South Carolina can run the ball, 
they should without a doubt be able to pass the football. I, they have too many good weapons to not be able to pass the football. If they, if they can establish the run, and that's what I hope. I hope that's what they want to do is – because if you can establish the run like that early in a game, because I understand the second half running, running, running. Let's run the clock. Let's get out of here with a win. I don't, I don't care in the second half. But you can establish the run early in a game when you get back Zach Bailey, Corey Helms, Malik Young. You got your starting five in there. And to me, he should flourish. I mean, Jake Bentley should, you know, Hayden Hurst. Everyone on that offense should benefit. I mean, am I wrong in thinking that? No, absolutely not. But. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. But, yeah, I think you're right. If you can run the ball, run it. Oh, what I was going to say is, you know, don't you just wish that you could play Texas A&M again right now? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean – Because, I mean, that's their first game they played together, and you've obviously seen progression from, you know, the the, the week to week to week. Yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, the silver lining in it for South Carolina is that they've created some – Hella depth. I mean, you get back all three of those guys, and now you know you've got guys behind them, and they can switch out guys, keep guys fresh. So, like, right. hey, these guys have been doing it. Like, look what they just did. So, at least you've kind of developed some depth, you know, you know, at the position. So, it'll be interesting to see. Like we said, uh, South Carolina moves into a bye week, so no preview today or anything like that. We're going to hand out some game balls, though, for the game on Saturday. Um Tyler, I'll let you go first since I feel like I always go first on this one. I'll let you hand out your game balls first. All right. So you obviously you took the uh, the easy one on offense. So I'll have to go Brian Edwards, <laughs> uh, just because on third down, you know, he's such a big target. Uh, and besides that drop, he was so you know reliable. If you needed a few yards, it was just automatic. Uh, and it, you just saw that throughout the game, especially when he when he got hurt the first quarter. I don't know how serious it was or even what it was. Uh, just seeing it from the stands, I was like, oh, no, it's Brian Edwards. Yeah, I was thinking when, when, when he first went down, I was like, oh, my God, oh, no, yeah. oh, no. But I think it was like a cramp, honestly. Oh, or okay. it, it looked like he got the wind knocked out of him because he was, like, gasping for air. So, I, I don't know. Either way. He's so reliable. You know, so he's going to get mine. Just six catches, 60 yards. That's that's half of your, your passing yards for the game right there. And then on defense, you didn't take the easy one, so we'll go DJ Wanham. He's an absolute freak of nature. Uh, and it just goes to show, you know, if a guy's not five stars, he can still be developed into a great player in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, on offense, I took A.J. Turner. Uh, it was just great to see him. It was great to see him just get back involved. I mean, obviously a guy last year that, you know, South Carolina really leaned on before Rico Dowdle, you know, kind of stole the show. And I, I'm just really glad to see A.J. Turner. 14 carries, 86 yards. He averaged six yards a carry. Had the uh, you know the touchdown, the speed sweep, like I said, just just great. He had the only touchdown of the game, so it was great to see him get involved um, on defense. I'm going to go with Chris Lamont. His his numbers were, you know, pedestrian, if you will. I mean, three three tackles, one tackle for loss, but had the pass breakup at the end of the game to save save the game, and I, in my personal opinion, somewhat saved South Carolina's season. So, you know, I feel like Lamont is a guy that since he moved to safety, he hasn't been catching quite as much love this year, personally, because I think Rashad Fenton has been so good and his job's been fairly easy. But he's a guy that definitely deserves, you know, all the praise back there and what he does in the safety position. So, Chris Lamont's good on you. We appreciate it. So, um, moving one into the bottom. Thing. I got go one more thing. So, uh, the last play of the game, watching it from the stands, I thought it was a bad throw. Like, I thought it was well out of bounds and – Blah, blah, blah. 
And then I'll see on Twitter after the game, the ball is literally in the guy's hand. It, he probably should have caught it. It was a perfect it, throw. Right. So yeah. I think Gartana yeah. is actually going to be decent. They're not going to yeah, win see the games, but I think he that, he's their answer on, at, at quarterback at least. And that's what, honestly, you know, before we move into the bye week, I'll say this about Tennessee. I mean, they're, they're not a good team. Don't get me wrong. They have talented players, though. They're going to lose by 150 to Alabama this weekend. But I'm telling you, Tennessee, they might they might beat a Kentucky. They might beat Vanderbilt. They, I feel like they're they, better than both of those teams. Right. They might give some teams some trouble because I think Garantano does give them a factor on offense that he can obviously run a little bit. They made he's some got really good throws. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Bush – and I, I honestly, I think Bush Jones – if he doesn't get fired after Alabama, I don't know when he'll get fired. Right. But if he does get fired after Alabama, like I think he will, I think it'll be a huge springboard for – like Tennessee, I think, will start to kind of rally. The players will rally. And I think – I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually finish pretty decently with him. I think he gives them – you know, undoubtedly gives them a uh, an edge on offense that, you know, uh, Quentin Dorman, he didn't. So – It'll be interesting to see, but always fun to go up to Knoxville and get a W. I've still never been, so I'm a little envious of you, but, you know, it's just <laughs> – got to get there at some point, even if – Yeah, I, oh, I will. No, I absolutely will, but I'm sure it's fun to hear almost 100,000 silent. <laughs> it it so. was great. It was great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, South Carolina obviously moves in the bye week uh, the twenty this weekend, the 21st, the bye week for South Carolina after they sit at five and two. Um, will take on Vanderbilt on October 28th. That's a 4 o'clock kickoff on SEC Network Williams-Brice. We'll obviously talk about that one next week. But, you know, Tyler, sort of wrapping everything up, talking about the bye week, you know, I think this is a, definitely a good chance for South Carolina's players to, and, you know, also us as well, decompress a little bit, kind of, you know, reflect on what you've done well, obviously look at what you can improve on, you know, Will Muschamp, Um Sort of talked about it this week as far as, you know, we're going to work on South Carolina. That's that's what we're worried about, working on getting better. Um, so, you know, I'll ask you, what uh, what do you think are some of the biggest things? If you were, you know, on the South Carolina coaching staff, what, is, what are some of the biggest things you think South Carolina needs to work on uh, in the bye week? I think most champs said it best. He said just get healthy. You know, every, it seems like everyone on that team has some kind of ding going yeah, they're just not healthy. So you're, I think they, they get like four days off this week, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, you can watch a lot of film. Uh, I don't think they're going to do anything crazy practice-wise, but it also gives you, you know the, the individual coaches for positions uh, a lot of time to reflect on what's you know what they've done right, what they've done wrong, or you know say like Shy Smith who hasn't really gotten a lot of touches the last couple weeks. You know, you can find ways to incorporate guys in the offense. You can work on new plays, stuff like that. Uh, I don't think a bye week's ever come at a better at a better time than this one has for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I mean, last last it's funny. You know, it's with all the you know we've been barking about this season, and you know things maybe haven't gone exactly how we would have hoped and dreamed. South Carolina's five and two right now, and, and I mean they were. I think two and four at the bye last year. Absolutely, were we're going th- we're going through a quarterback change, inserting a true freshman that had never played. I mean, it's a lot of difference in last year than this year. But yeah, um, I agree with you. Obviously, getting healthy. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I think we're excited about is to get those O linemen back, get some just get some guys some rest that you know are banged up. I and mean, I think everybody's a little banged up this time of year. But I think they said South Carolina 
they were one of the last like three or four teams to have their bye weeks. I mean, they, you know, their bye weeks coming fairly late. Um, but my biggest thing as far as just from a, you know, ways to get better on the field, obviously you're going to watch film, but I, just trying to find a way to score when you're in the red zone. You know what I mean? Just, just making sure that's out because they, they've had their red zone struggles. You know, you've got to be able to execute in the red zone and continue to improve in the running game and, you know, develop the play action game and find ways to get Hayden Hurst involved down there as well. So, you know, I'm hoping they, you know, they'll be able to come out against Vanderbilt, obviously have a couple of wrinkles, you know, mix some things in, but, um, you know, definitely trust that Muschamp and the staff will take care of everything as far as getting those guys ready. And like you said, definitely deserve the rest. So, um, other news you want to get to where let's actually, let's get to the listener questions first, because those are obviously all related to the football game. We've got some other tidbits to go over that aren't necessarily all football. So we'll go ahead and get into our listener questions. Um, we'll start from Twitter at Garnet and black 29. This is Kyle Lancaster. Uh, with Dante Sawyer leading the nation in forced fumbles. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and the emergence of DJ Wanham. Talk about the future of our defensive line. Um, Tyler, I'll let you start. Well, Dante Sawyer is going to be gone, so I guess that gives someone else an opportunity. But and you have guys like Javon Kenlaw and, and just up-and-coming players. Aaron Johnson. Yeah, just every, or Aaron Sterling, Aaron Brad, Sterling Johnson. Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson. I think what has he played linebacker a few times this year? Yeah, he, he might be a guy that yeah. slides down there a little but bit. But he really is. A, he's a defensive end. You yeah, can, if you watch his film from high school, he's a defensive end, and he's he gets around there just just like Dante Sawyer does. It looks like, you know, and it's like Clemson. Clemson's gotten so many defensive line commits. Um, you know, they want to play with these guys. They want to play with somebody like DJ Wanham. So it definitely helps on the field, but also helps recruiting. You know, it, it proves that you that you know the defensive line coaches and everybody else develop players. That's so important. Uh, not everyone has to be a great five star guy. You can you can get developed. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you, you were talking about you know guys want to play with these guys. I'm talking to you, Dorian Gerald. I know you saw what happened Saturday. Come to South Carolina. Come play defensive end for us. We need you. <laughs> there you go. But. Uh, yeah, so because I, you know, that was that was a big game for recruiting for South Carolina. They, they got a, you know, JC Horns, another one that the, the Vols stole from South Carolina, and I think that you know, I think the Gamecocks, especially with Butch Jones, most likely, you know, being ousted there, I, I think South Carolina is going to have an opportunity to steal some guys back. When we so, were leaving the game, you know, there's a golf cart that's that's carrying recruits. Obviously, I don't I don't know who the recruits were. Right, but they're clearly football players, and they were. Clearly disappointed at that outcome, it looked like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell them we don't feel bad. We had Kentucky happen at home, so we don't, feel, we don't feel bad. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, so we'll move to the next question. Gregory House underscore 2017 off of Reddit. Why are we 5-2 and two right now? I asked this question because we are very low on most teams' stat rankings. Is that what good coaching looks like? Is our team improving game to game? I don't really understand it. Uh well, I don't think you're alone. Um, you know, I think it was kind of what we talked about earlier. I mean, I just think right now, let's not forget, South Carolina is still, it's just pre-server South Carolina is still extremely young. 70% are just, you know, freshmen and sophomores. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, obviously, and you know, especially in the offense, are to the point where, you know, it's. I don't really like to use the excuse that the guys are young because they just played so much, but they are. So, 
you know, I, I just think like we talked about earlier, it's just kind of with Will Muschamp, I think for the foreseeable future, at least until he really, really starts to get his recruiting classes in and gets his players on both sides of the ball. I think it's just going to be, it's going to be an ugly sort of style of football, kind of muck your way through it and, you know, find a way to get a win at the end. I think right now, you know, Tyler, I think that's kind of sort of what we're, what we're doing. So, I mean, the stats have not been flashy any week. I mean, South Carolina's offensive stats certainly haven't been flashy any week this season, but the defense is playing, you know, worlds beyond what we all expected and, you know, is keeping South Carolina in every game. So I just think it's going to continue. Yeah, I mean, and you got to be honest at some point. We haven't played, you know, the best schedule so far. NC State looks like a really good team, but other than that, you know, it's changed every week. But it seems like a lot of the teams that South Carolina's played so far this year haven't been that good. Uh, Kentucky, I guess, maybe is decent. They're 5-1. and one. They find ugly ways to win, too. They have a very interesting game this weekend with uh, Mississippi State. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm interested to watch that. Um, but other than that, I hate the word op- opportunistic because it's so cliche, but that's what that's what it's been. You just find a way to win and you move on. You don't really care how how you do it. Uh, that's that's the way I like I like football games. Grind them out. Yeah, and I mean that's you know he also asked. I mean, is this what good coaching looks like? I think definitely on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, I mean South Carolina's gonna be the kind of team that they're they're key to the game every weekend. They have they need to win the. the Turnover battle. They they need to win it, and the games that Will Muschamp has won at South Carolina. I mean, you know, he's they found a way to do it. I mean, and I think I'm not. They're probably like plus eight right now in turnover margin, which is outstanding. I mean, it's got to be near the top in the country. So I mean, you know, it's right now. That's how South Carolina wins football games. But I will say this about you know South Carolina's record and Will Muschamp, and you know the the way the teams looked and everything. Um, and I want to pull it up because Brad Crawford, who we all know, follow uh, on Twitter, he does a thing after every single game. It sort of gets old, but he does a thing talked about. This is how many games Will Must. This is Will Muschamp's record since he started at South Carolina. This is how many games he was an underdog in, and my computer wants to freeze up on me. But anyways, um, we'll see. So Will Muschamp's been an underdog in fourteen of his first twenty games at South Carolina. Uh, he's eleven and nine. In those in those uh, those twenty games, <laughs> so I mean, you think of and you think about this. Steve Spurrier was twelve and eight in his first twenty games, and he was also an underdog in eleven of those games. So, and I saw another tweet as well, is that somebody said, you know, what Will Muschamp is doing in South Carolina, it, it it's ugly a lot of times, and honestly, it's you know, these questions scratch your head, but. He took over a three and nine program, so whatever Will Muschamp is doing, it, it is working to some extent because South Carolina five and two right now. I mean, the losses have been sort of head scratching, especially Kentucky. But I don't know any Gamecock fan, including myself, that would not have taken five and two at the bye. There's just no way. I mean, with, with the way the schedule looked in the preseason and what you thought of South Carolina, I mean, I agree with you that you know a lot of the teams that South Carolina played aren't exactly world beaters, but I mean, NC State obviously had a ton of hype, you know, even Missouri, as bad as they are, South Carolina was an underdog Man, and it was on the, and it was, and it was on the road. Um, and then with South Carolina's, you know, what we thought the defense would be like, you thought, man, Drew Locke and that offense. So you win that one. Obviously Kentucky was a huge, huge letdown. And then Louisiana tech obviously was another struggle. 
But you go to Texas A&M, who I think is getting better every week and I think is actually not that bad. Um, you hang right there with them. Um, what game am I missing? And then you beat Tennessee. What game? I'm, I'm missing a game. Anyways, so, I mean, the way they've done it, I mean, I think any, any fan would have taken five and two. So, for what this team has done, we're definitely going to find out. I agree with you, though, Tyler. We're going to find out a lot about this team in the second half. you got Georgia, you got Florida, you got Clemson. I mean, what are you going to do? So, I think it will be really interesting. Um, we'll move to the next question. The biggest and the baddest from Reddit. Would you? This is a really interesting question, Tyler. I, want you, I really want to get your opinion on this. Would you rather win the next four games and lose to Clemson or lose the next four games and beat Clemson? Oh, well, if you win the next four, you probably win the SEC East. So <laughs> That's a very good point. I already chalked uh, Clemson as a loss, so I'll definitely take a win over Georgia because I think Georgia it might be the second-best team in the country. I really yeah, think that. I agree. Yeah. I, they're, they're, well, they, they almost had 700 yards of offense against Missouri. They set a they set a school record against a conference opponent for yards That's in that awesome. game. Yeah, Missouri is might be the worst team I've ever seen. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Um, <laughs> it was at least when I read it, I was like, "Man, that's." I think a lot of South Carolina fans have to sit down and be like, "Man, how bad do we want Clemson this year?" Yeah, but um, yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll say the thing that. Uh, People always say, hey, if you win the next four games, you ought to be good enough to beat Clemson anyway. So, I'll take that one. Um, and then I have to read this because this is so ridiculous. Legion underscore of underscore turnt bring in the <laughs> the pessimistic Gamecock perspective. We're entering the bye weeks on five and two. My question is, how will we mess this up and miss a bowl game? <laughs> so, Tyler, I'll ask you: How can South Carolina mess this up and miss a bowl game at five and two with Vandy and Wofford left? Um, well, even <laughs> if you win five games, some teams get into a bowl. So we could, man, a lot would have to happen for us not to make bowl game. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. I, I don't need another sidral. Five and seven, and oh my gosh! Oh. I honestly That's think really if South question. Carolina I lost think... all – I think if South Carolina lost five in a row, I literally think Will Muschamp would be, like, on the hot seat. Oh, yeah. It would, would be fired. that – it would be that bad. That would be that much of, like, a disaster. But why would someone think about that? I, I, that's what I was saying. The This guy's probably been a fan since, like, 1950, and it's just watched years and years of – bad football. <laughs> Wofford is actually pretty good, though. I know. They're, like, third in FCS. Oh, okay. I don't even want to I, I, God, who who schedules these these games? Yeah, like who who schedules these? <laughs> That's like Coastal a few years ago. They were number three when we played them, but we beat them like yeah, we beat the crap out of them. Something to seven. Yeah, we play them to start next year, and they're not very good anymore. So I, I'm excited for that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Other news. Tyler, I know you saw P.J. Dozier got released. For, who was he with, with again Dallas before? The Dallas Mavericks. Was he with the Mavs before that? Yeah, night? he was with the Dallas Mavericks with the preseason. They cut him last week. Okay, so then he re-signed with Dallas. No, oh. excuse me. He signed, I, I, I wrote the Mavericks. That, that's what it is. He was released from the Mavericks, signed with the Thunder. Correct. Book number 35, which is the jersey number of Kevin Durant. I love it. There. So, 
Pretty interesting move. It's been a lot of up and down for P.J. Dozier, just kind of bouncing around. So, hopefully he finds a spot in Oklahoma City. Um, well, it's a two-way contract, so I'm pretty sure that he has to spend, like, two-thirds of the season or something in the D-League. But he can be with uh, Oklahoma City for 45 days. That's what That's my understanding of it. Well, either way, it's just so funny. Every time something happens to P.J. Dozier, it's the same – I don't know who he got his advice from. And we're like, well, we tried to tell you on the Spurs Up show. You should have listened, PJ. We could have told you to come back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Good another t- Yeah, I-, I wish those were nothing but the best. Man, we I would love that this year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Also, an interesting basketball note, South Carolina was picked uh, at SEC Media Days to finish 13th in the SEC. Really? Men's? Yes, 13th in the SEC. I did not see that. What? Yeah. Wow. It's going to be an interesting season. I'm pretty sure tomorrow is uh, is media day. 13th? 13th. What? After going to the Final Four, they think they lost that. I mean, we, I know they lost a lot. They, they lost man. that much. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Chris Silver. Who do you lose? Sin, PJ, Dwayne. Justin Mackey. And you lose Rocky and Felder. And Felder, yeah, God, that is a lot. You got to rely on guys like uh, Corey Holden and yeah, I'm interested you know, to see what they the do. Fresh faces. There's gonna be a lot of new guys. There's gonna be a lot of transfer or grad student transfers. Uh, Chris Silva's gonna have to be an absolute monster, and I think he will be. He's gonna be an NBA player. Yeah, I do. I know you're. I mean, I am kind of too, but I, I know you're excited to talk some Carolina basketball on, on the this on the podcast. We're finally gonna have some basketball. I love basketball. Man. Soon, in the next like month or so, because obviously we started the Spurs Up show. It was March Madness was basically ending in South Carolina. I think we talked about one basketball game, so it's coming, Tyler. Don't worry. We're going to have a lot of basketball banter going on all <laughs> college basketball season. So When you watch South Carolina basketball with Darren Horns, the coach, and you lose 20 games every year, um, it's okay. You can watch it anytime. <laughs> you still love it. Yeah. Ooh, man, the Darren Horn years. Some dark, some dark times. But uh, never happened. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. We'll sort of wrap things up here. I want to say though, kind of a little post show again. It was a very interesting week in the SEC, and also, I'm not going to end this show without talking about what happened Friday night in Syracuse, New York. The Syracuse Orange, <laughs> the Orange Men, whatever they are now, beat Clemson. In I honestly couldn't believe it. Me and my buddies were going nuts. Clemson goes down. Kelly Bryant, who knows the status of him with the concussion he took. They're, they're also on a bye week. But, man, um, Clemson Nation, I feel like, is falling apart right now. There's rumors that – or not even rumors. Clemson Tom on Twitter I saw was raising money to put a billboard at five points, a 56-7 to seven billboard. And let's safe to say, fans, Syracuse has got Clemson shook. Did There's you no see the South Carolina it. response to that? Yes, they've raised like what, like four thousand dollars for Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, absolutely awesome. Yeah, so, it's absolutely you know, so. Clemson yeah, Tom. if you if you haven't uh, donated, if you want to donate, yeah, there there is a GoFundMe right now in response to Clemson's billboard GoFundMe. There's a GoFundMe, but started by a Gamecock fan to raise money for the efforts in Puerto Rico with everything that happened there. It's retweeted on our Twitter account. Be sure to click on it, obviously, if you want to donate. Um, you know, we'd obviously love for you to do that. So, 
very awesome response. I, I like that a lot. But uh, I've had Clemson top blocked yeah. on Twitter since 2012, so I didn't even see yeah, the, uh, the initial tweet. Well, I got on Twitter this morning, you know, and, and I just saw something about a billboard. And I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? And I went on, you know, cocky talk, didn't see anything there. And I was kind of like, you know, who would probably have something on this about their Twitter feed. It'd probably be Clemson Tom. It would <laughs> probably be Clemson Tom. And he's, of course he's the one that started it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. I I've been, I'm not going to lie. I have gotten into it with Clemson Tom on Twitter once or twice in my day, but let's just put it that way. So I was on the way to Tennessee <laughs> Friday night, and there was a ton of traffic on I-26, so we went through a different route, like through the mountains, like in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't have right. a signal for about an hour or 15 minutes. And in our group chat, we had two Clemson fans, and even if they're winning by 28, you know, they'll still be complaining. So I put it in the group chat when I finally get signal, and I saw that they were complaining, so I was like – so Clemson win by 28, and you're still complaining? And then it says they lost. And I was like, uh, <laughs> there's there's no way. And I got on ESPN and saw it, and I was the happiest I've ever been in my life for a good hour. It was so funny. I went out in Charlotte Friday night, and uh, you may have seen on my Snapchat, Tyler, but there was a fight um, at the bar I was at in the outdoor patio, and it was Clemson fans. They're <laughs> <And I, laughs> turning against each other. And I was like, coming to you live from the bar, Clemson fans are falling apart at the seams after the Syracuse Orange pull off the upset. I, I will say, they were a 28-point underdog. <laughs> or maybe even 30. I mean, it wasn't even close. Honestly, that entire game, I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, Syracuse doing whatever. When, even when Syracuse, I think, was up like 14-7, I was like, Clemson's going to win this like 45-14. to yeah. like, There's just no way that Hughes can – hang in there with them. And I mean, Cuse lost to middle Tennessee state and they beat Clemson. So I'm so glad it was on Friday night because every single week I bet on Clemson to cover the spread because they do every week. And if they would have played on Saturday and I would have bet on the spread, you might have to do it again. (laughs) So uh, when plays next, I'll take the spread. (laughs) No. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was funny. I was sitting there after Friday. I was like, you know, South Carolina is only one game worse than Clemson right now. So, there you go. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. And they thought they were But good. we'll talk more about it in November. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, anyways, a lot of other cool games, you know, crazy games too. Auburn blew a huge lead. Um, 20 nothing lost to LSU. Um, you had Florida, the disaster there. Texas A&M goes in there and beats Florida. Um, God, I, I, McElwain's got to be on the hot seat at this point. It's yeah, just, they have no it, offense it's, at all. It's starting to wear off. Like, we tried to tell you people, Jim – or yeah, McElwain is winning with Will Muschamp's recruits on defense. Their offense has never been good. So, I think they're finally starting – those guys are finally – are in the NFL and – Seeing what's happening, I mean, Florida's three and three right now. Jesus, I mean, with a that game in Columbia is right, right. That game in Columbia is looking real friendly. Now, I'm loving it. Trust that'll me. be a fun game. We have some <laughs> good sure. games coming up, though. This we do. Year. I'm really excited about it. Are you uh, Are you traveling to Athens? I am not. I hate Georgia no. fans with passion, and I will not be putting myself in that position. Good to know. Yeah, I haven't decided yet. So I. 
I was talking to Andrew and Hank as well, who used to be with us. So I, I don't know yet. I don't know if I want to be the only Gamecock in a sea of dogs. So I Bad may have to happen in Georgia. And I, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I'm not optimistic about that game anyways. Yeah, that, that's honestly, man, we'll talk about it obviously down the road. But that's one of those games where I think South Carolina could lose that by 10 or 13 points. You can go, we're not, we're pretty good. Like, I mean, you really could. Georgia's that good this year. So, they are yeah, outrageously so. good. But, yeah, I think with one that – One more question. One yeah, more question. So, I saw that South Carolina received a, a little little love uh, in the voting for the polls. So, after a bye week, and if you beat Vanderbilt at home, you're 6-2, and two, you find yourself into the rankings for Georgia. You, so you're, ask, you're asking me, if do you? Yeah, do you think so? I don't know, just because they only got, like, what, like six votes or something? I don't know. I just saw, like, any votes. It wasn't whatever. many, I know. But I, to me, I think it is – I mean, I know it's ugly, but how can you not be ranked at six and two? There's like, some really bad teams that are ranked. Right. I mean, how can you not be a six and two SEC – how can you be a six and two SEC team and not be ranked is my question. So, I mean – that's the other side. That's the the optimistic, obviously, Gamecock fan and me looking at that UGA game. I don't want to count, you know, chickens for the hatch because, you know, any South Carolina isn't good enough to roll their helmets out against anybody and win. But let's just assume you beat Vanderbilt. I mean, let's just assume you sneak in the polls, you know, 24 or 25. That game against Georgia becomes very, very interesting in Athens. I mean, a team – you know, ugly or not, a team that's would be what? That would be their, uh, what, third straight win? Yeah. Vanderbilt, they have a three-game winning streak? Right. So, you know, I mean, we'll see. But do I think – I just – I don't know. It, I think if they really – if they have an impressive showing against Vandy, I think there's a good – there's a chance. But they haven't gotten as much love, honestly, as I thought. I mean – because to me, if you're six and two, you should be ranked automatically. But I was thinking about that as well. We'll see. I mean, that that'll be that'd be awesome. That would be a lot of fun. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. If, if game day for some reason went to Athens because South Carolina was ranked, I, I'd probably have to go to Athens. Yeah, I'd, I'd change my mind. I'd probably have to go to Athens and raise some hell. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It should be interesting. But yeah, um, with that being said, I think we're gonna wrap it up again. Check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Go there, rate, subscribe, tell us you like, tell us you don't like. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Armchair S Car, on our Instagram at Armchair S Carolina, and check us out on armchairamericans.com. Um, again, as always, I'm your host, Chris Phillips. He's Tyler Clark. Um, with that being said, Tyler, do you have any last words before we uh, take a little breather into the bye week? Go Cox. Go Cox. Everybody, recollect, regroup, have a relaxing weekend. We'll see you next week as we preview the matchup with the Gamecocks and the Vanderbilt Commodores on homecoming weekend in Columbia, South Carolina. We hope you guys enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. 
Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.